Okay, well, praise the Lord. Well, this is the day the Lord has made. I don't know about you, but I, before my feet hit the bed this morning, or I just said, Lord, I choose my feet hit the bed. My feet hit the floor. Maybe I slept in the floor and I got back into bed. I don't know. But either way, I chose to rejoice and be glad in it. Amen? The Bible says that we have the choice set before us this day. So I uh, appreciate your pastors, not just for being such a blessing in my life, but just for being their friendship and their love over the many years, and especially the last few years. God's doing great things. Amen? And uh, I'm traveling a lot. I uh, apologize for being a little bit late this morning. But I was out in the field trying to pick some fruit. Amen. And uh, people said, what do you mean? Now, your all's mind is thinking, where's a fruit tree near this church? <laughs> well, well, I was walking out of the Hampton. And, uh, but when I was at the uh, lobby, there was an older gentleman there. He, his, I found out his name's Larry. He's about 75. And, and he, he looks like a retired cowboy. And I kind of got into it. And nobody was behind the counter. And I said, well, I'm going to just go ahead and lay mine down. He was up there first. I said, I'm going to lay my key down. And. So I was putting my stuff in. He started walking out. And I said, hey, have a blessed day. He's, or I said, have a great day, brother. He goes, hey, yeah, he's where in Texas are you from? Well, I rent cars all the time. I'm like, oh, I got Texas plates this time. The other day I had Massachusetts. So it's like, you know, it's like smoking the bandit, man. You can just speed. And uh, that wasn't me. I got Texas plates. I don't have Massachusetts. But he said, um, so where are you from? I said, well, I'm actually, uh, I grew up in eastern Kentucky, but I live in Colorado. He said, oh, really? He said, yeah. I said, so you around about? I said, yeah. I said, I was just, you know, preaching last week in Orlando, and next week I'm in Appomattox, Virginia, and then the next week I'm in Nor- Norwalk, uh, Color- uh, Connecticut. And he goes, really? I said, yeah. I said, well, let me ask you something. I said, uh, are you born again? He goes, well, he said, uh, he said, I said, well, do you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and God raised him from the dead? He goes, well, yeah, but kind of believe different than what you probably believe. And I said, well, try me. He said, well, have you seen these uh, bumper stickers called Coexist? I said, yeah. I said, explain yourself. And he says, well, I believe there is one God. But I believe there's a group that may do the Koran. And I said, there's a group that does this and a group that does this. And I knew right then I had to sit there and start ministering. And I said, well, let me ask you this. I said, um, so you believe that there's all this. Is that what you think? I said, well, it really doesn't matter what we think. It's what the Bible says. Well, how do you know that this is the only book? I said, because I've experienced things in my life over the years that cannot be explained except by what's been written in this book. I said, have you ever heard of Dr. Josh McDowell, Evidence That Demands a Verdict? He goes, no. I said, here, wrote it down, gave it to him. I said, read it. Nobody's never been able to prove this guy wrong in this book. It takes the odds of all these things happening in the Bible over different centuries on different areas and countries by different people and different cultures writing a book that came together in 66 to prove that God existed and the odds of that happening are astronomical. He said, well, I'm just kind of, I said, well, let me just say this. I travel a lot. I've seen a lot of things happen. I said, I've seen blind eyes open. I've seen uh, legs grow out almost six inches. I've seen this. I've seen that. I said, but you know what, Larry? There's not one other God in any other religion that had to die and shed his blood for humanity except Jesus. I said, we would line people up, or friends would line people up overseas, and they would pray in the name of Jesus, and they would get healed. He says, now you pray to your God and see if you can get them healed. I said, not one single time 
I wasn't mad. I was just telling myself, not one single time, Larry, in all the times overseas that they prayed in all of their gods and all of their religions that not one single person got set free and healed. Except when you came in the name of Jesus. Yes. I said, the Bible says he is the same. He said, I am the way, yes. the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through by me. Now, the reason I'm telling you that is this. is I was delayed, but I wasn't denied. Because when I got done, he, he just looked at me. You ever, you ever seen somebody recalculate in their head? <laughs> He's sitting there going. Yeah. 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 I said, I love you, brother, but I'm going to tell you something. You're taking a big chance. There's only one. I said, I already know. You know, the reason I'm saying that is this. As I travel, it's it's not by coincidence that you're all talking about the end times. I'm hearing more and more and more and more and more and more people talking about the end times. Some people will say we are so very close to the rapture that we don't even know it. Some people think it's five years away. Some think it's seven. These are leading people. Some people think it could be any minute. People say, well, you don't know the hour today. No, but we can know the season. There's over 50 signs. One well-known minister said that uh, in his father-in-law's 50-year ministry, he has a 50-year ministry too, but he said his father-in-law's 50-year ministry, only one sign came to pass to show the second coming of the rapture. My, I got a friend of mine in Tulsa that does a video every Wednesday. He said there's over 50 already that's happened. They said they can build the third temple within 72 hours because they got it all like Lego blocks. They can put it together, put it up, offer it. They got the furniture, everything done. Got the red heifer, sacrifice. Hallelujah. You could go away on a weekend and Jesus could come. That's right. My question to you is this. What are you doing to affect eternity every day? Now, I'm not against retirement. I'm not against people having fun. I'm not against all that. Jesus paid it all. We can have it in full. But the thing is, is are we just trying to build a resume or work 40 years so we can live eight years and die? Come on. We say 40 years to retire for eight years and then die because we get bored and have no purpose. Now, I, I'm not mad. I just don't have lips. I saw, it looks like I'm mad. Amen. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you, when you stand before God, personally, you can take this with a grain of salt. So I don't believe you'll be judged on what you did in life compared to what you were called to do. Everyone is called to witness to somebody. One waters, one plants, but God gives the increase. So I, I might have been the third person that watered, or I might have watered a seed that was planted by Tulare two weeks ago. I guarantee it, he's driving home in his truck today because I prayed the Ephesians prayer that the eyes of his heart would be enlightened, that he would know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory and inheritance of the saints, that he would be rooted and grounded in love. And I said, Larry, I'm going to ask you to do something that I ask the Muslims to do when I minister to them. He said, what's that? I'm only going to ask you to do it for seven days. I usually ask him to do it for 14. He goes, okay, what is it? I said, I want you to get in your truck or when you're laying down at night or when you're just driving or eating by yourself. I want you to say, Jesus, if you're really the Son of God and you're the only way, I want you to reveal yourself to me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He went. Yes. See, I've not had one Muslim turn me down. Hallelujah. I, I tell them, actually, I said, you don't go far enough in your religion. They go, what? I said, well, I, I believe in Jehovah God. I said, Ishmael is the brother you know, I think if you trace it back, Ishmael actually went all the way back to Jehovah God. Yes. And they just sit there and go. But there's thousands of Muslims are having visitations and dreams that Jesus is the Son of God. Yes. Yes. Jews are having dreams. 
Folks, there's a lot of things happening out there that we don't know of. And listen, we've got to be busy. You say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm 77 or I'm 17. It doesn't matter. I was 17 or 20 years old going into a nursing home and praying for people. I, I really felt like the Lord in the 80s was coming back then. I just I kept going into the nursing home, going into the nursing home. Now, I'm, I know I'm kind of going on here, but I want to challenge you. What are you doing to water the plant to get the increase? I don't know if you heard what Pastor said, but I've been sharing this with churches as I travel over the last few years. If you really expect God's pouring out His Spirit and the harvest is coming in, this should be your staff right here. Every one of you should be a teacher, an assistant, an aide, a parking lot attendant, a cafeteria worker, a Sunday school teacher, something. You say, well, I'm not qualified. Well, you show up and you'll get qualified. That's right. I managed two restaurants in Broken Arrow when I went to Bible school. I worked 58.8 hours. I figured it up. I would go in on Saturdays and do puppet skit, and then Sunday morning we have... 50 to 86-year-olds show up, and we would sit there and teach them children for four hours. Why was it four? Well, because we had other people came in and taught and volunteers, and we had to take care of their kids before the service actually started, and then we had to keep them for about 30 or 40 minutes after the service. So an hour and a half is nothing to compare to what we did for 18 months. I'm not saying that on me. What I'm saying is this. Those kids now are in their 30s, and one day I seen one of them. They still called me Mr. Todd. And the Lord spoke to me and said, that's your fruit upon the earth. Are you hearing what I'm saying? One waters, one plants, one gives the increase. They asked Dr. Billy Graham, who's one of the most influential people in your life? He he named named her right off. And they thought, well, is she a great pastor or evangelist or revivalist? I mean, is she a missionary? No, she was a retired school teacher that took a class of young boys in church. And one of the boys that she taught about Jesus was Billy Graham. And he said she was one of the most influential people in my life. Now, don't you think when she got to heaven and all the 40, to, they think 40 to 60, maybe up to 80 million people were affected by Billy Graham's ministry just in salvation. Don't you think God's going to be pleased with what she did by showing up as a retired school teacher? Yes, yes. All right, I'll shut up. Yes. Well, let me just say this. I, I pulled this out, didn't even know why I had it in my Bible, but it said that Jesus made contact with 132 people in the gospel. 132 people in the gospel. Six of those were in the temple and four were in the synagogue. The other 122 contacts were made in the field of everyday life. So out of 132 people mentioned in the gospel, six were in the temple, church, four in the synagogue, and 122 were outside the walls of the church. I was reading this the other day. It said the difference between being created in the image of God as opposed to the likeness of God. Image is the essential nature of God received through the new birth. When you got born again, you received the image, which is the essential nature of God. My son asked me the other day, he said, why does bad people do bad things, Dad, and good people do good? I said, it's their nature. If you don't change the roots, you'll never change the fruits. Right. It's the nature. That's why people must be born again. Right. In his likeness, the person who is born again is reflecting this image, reflecting this image through their lifestyle. Lifestyle is the Christian pattern of living. It's a life of victory. One more time. There's a difference between being created in the image of God as opposed to the likeness of God. When you get born again, you are created in, in the image of God. 
And that image is the essential nature of God received through the new birth. But in his likeness, the person who is born again is reflecting this image through their lifestyle. That's why Jesus says, you'll know them by their what? Fruit. Well, that word fruit in the Vines Dictionary of Old New Testament words in one place is the visible expressions of power that work inwardly and invisibly of the character of the power producing it. If you don't get your roots right, you never get your fruit right. I'm going to tell you something, folks. There's, about, there's, a, there's not just a revival coming. There's an awakening coming. Yes, yes, yes. There's an awakening. Yes. And I, I really think I'm going to write a small book or an article on this. Tomorrow's Monday. That's what I think I'm going to title it. And the subtitle is, And the Day After is Tuesday. You know why? Because people get so stirred up and changed and hear something, and they say, I know what I need to do. And Monday morning, it's right back to the rut. And then Tuesday. <laughs> Are you all hearing what I'm saying? Yes. If you want something you never had before, then you need to do something you've done before. I've learned one thing about life in airports is this. If you praise, you'll be raised. If you complain, you will remain. <laughs> Are you all hearing what I'm saying? Right. It's time to express, have outward expressions of what's already inside of us. Yes. Yes. The worst thing is, is you could be arrested for being a Christian and they let you go for lack of evidence. All right, I'll shut up. <laughs> I want to minister on something today. There's three things I want to touch on. The first one will take a little bit longer. The next two will go very fast, so just bear with me today. You don't want to get to a food place early on Sunday. Trust me, I used to work at them for nine years. We never ran out of food on Saturday night, so if you want to get there early, just pay the same price for leftovers. That's all I'm going to say. Amen? Psalms 105, the other day I was thinking about this scripture and I wrote it down in a little post-it and I had my Bible. Psalms 105, and it goes right with my message. Psalm 105 verse 37 says, There was not one feeble one among their tribes. How many knows that when Jesus comes back, it's almost like a type and shadow of when the children of Israel left Egypt to go to a new land. But when, when, when they left, though, it seemed like they went from bad to worse. Because they were surrounded on three sides. They had water in front of them and had the uh, 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 Egyptians, you know, the army. They were surrounded. But the promise was in front of them. It wasn't an obstacle. It was actually a blessing, but they didn't recognize it. Are you all hear what I'm saying? Yeah. A lot of times, if you don't watch what you say, you're going to abort or, or deter the plan of God for your life. And I'm learning, I wrote this down, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get it and put it in front of me. Quit using the words to describe how you feel and you are. Start using words to change way, the way you think how you want to become. Yeah. That's good. Amen? That's good. So I want to talk about something today because I know you've been well taught here and stuff and I'll go fast so you're going to have to preach. I'll preach fast so you're going to have to listen fast. Amen? So let me just say this. Is, is that me hitting that cord? Is it, how, many, how many people is it bugging? I've got two honest people. Amen? And one of them is a sound person with both hands up. Amen? I believe that we're living in the end of the last days. Yes. Seriously. Yes. I mean, this is the last of the last days. And I know we've been hearing this. I'm 57 years old. I've heard this all my life. But things are shifting. Yes. A tsunami's coming. Yes. You're either going to be overtaken or you're going to be on top. I'm hearing this all over the place I go. People say, well, that's good. We'll just sit back and sit back. No, 
you're, you're, if you're going to be a spectator, you'll be wiped out. You've got to be about the Father's business. I believe that when Jesus comes back and we leave this place, we should not be sick and we should not be broke. Hallelujah. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You say, well, I don't hold nobody nothing. Well, then what are you doing with the excess to reach the harvest? Jesus didn't come to take you to the land that's just enough. He wants to bring you in the land that's more than enough. He wants to do over above what you can even dare ask or think beyond your highest prayers, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. See, if God can't get it through you, he won't be able to get it to you. What we're trying to realize is we're not working to make a living. We're working to allow God to bless us in a way that we can bless other people. One day the Lord spoke to me about two or three years ago. He said, this gospel goes beyond you. See, I was always just seeing what it can do to help me and what I could do to set my retirement. I'm glad for a retirement. I'm not against it. I'm not against Social Security. I'm not against, but I'm not against that. But God is your source. And if you don't watch it, you'll go from believing God for every penny when you first started to where you're just sitting here complaining because you didn't get a 3% raise last year. I told you, I'm, I'm not mad. I've been on both sides. I've had Social Security, got me through college, thank God, but there was a coming time. I said, I don't need it anymore. I can make my own way. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah. I want to talk about what the Lord showed me about healing and being set free in this end time. When I was growing up, I had a lot of health issues and different things. They told me by the time I probably would have turned 30, I think, I would have been a bald-headed diabetic maybe. That's what I figured out. Had a lot of people in my family that were bald. Had a lot of people that we had hemochromatosis, which we didn't know about. I had melanoma. I had different things. I had problems with my eyes. I had such severe allergies that I could hit certain bushes. And you ever seen these etching things where they use an etcher? It looked like it was etched in my arm, almost like a, a tattoo. My, I could eat certain foods, and my gums and my mouth and my throat would swell up. I could take certain things and go like this, and my eyes would be tight. Within, I would actually got allergic to the uh, allergy shot. Cut an orange in half, put it under my arm. That's how the swelling was. But we had to weigh the difference. Is it, is it worth going through, or is it worth the benefit of taking it? Now, I know that a lot of people had a lot of worse things than I did, and I could keep elaborating with the kidney infections and all the medications I took as a child and how it turned my teeth dark and stuff. You know, I had to get a lot of dental work. Had a lot of different things on my pigment and my skin and all that, but God healed me. Because I started realizing that Jesus died to this. I don't have to live with it. He went somewhere. I don't have to go. People say, why are you preaching on healing? Because if you're sick, you're not going to be effective with the gospel. And besides that, you have a covenant with God that you should not have one feeble one among them when you leave. Listen, don't get to the place. Listen, I'm not mad. Don't get to the place where you know more about your medicines than the healing scriptures in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I go up to people and they say, well, now listen, you can't take that before you eat. You only can take it after. And if you take it after, make sure you drink water with this because if you take that medicine with this one, it's going to make you drowsy, so don't dry before you take it. I'm like, yes. I didn't know you was a, 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 went to medical school. They said, no, I don't. I've just been on this for five years. I already know about this. I said, well, aren't you tired of taking? Oh, yeah, the cost just keeps going up. And, I, you know, I just spend so much money on it. And I'm fighting on the phone with this uh, insurance and all this, the Medicare, Medicaid. Medi I'm ju I, just, I just sat there and I said, well, what scriptures are you standing on? What are you believing God for? And they said, well, um, 
I know God heals. Well, the devil does too. See, you don't have what you think you know. You don't have what you had said. You have what you say. Listen, if you're dead, you're no use to nobody. People say, why do you hang out with, you know, I, I used to hang out with ministers in their 90s. They said, why do you do that? I said, you can't buy them in a bookstore. They know more than I've probably forgotten. They've forgotten more than I know. Are you all hearing what I'm saying? Folks, let me tell you something. The young people need the older people, and the older people need the younger people. Because if you don't get around younger people, then you're going to die. And if the younger people don't get around the older ones, they're not going to know what they need to know because we're losing the generation to where just like Joshua would teach the people about the greatness of God and the people talked about the gorders falling off, the blind eyes, not just being able to see, but eye sockets being filled with eyes. Now they're just reading about it. Now they're almost to the place where like the generation, when the Pharaoh came up, they said they knew not, not, they the Pharaoh that came up knew not Joseph. I mean, are you hearing what I'm saying? They, did, they didn't even know. We're losing it to where we're getting to a place to where we have so much prosperity, we don't think we need God anymore. Then we, what happens is we go back to hard times and then we seek God. America, well, let me just say this. The church blew a big opportunity in 2001. We didn't do anything different. They came to church for two or three weeks. We just gave them the same old spiel, and they went right back to the church because tomorrow's Monday. Are you all hearing what I'm saying? You say, well, I've already heard all this before. It doesn't matter. I want, I, I, my goal is this. My goal is I'm not going to age as like I'm going to age in the world. They told me I'd be bald-headed. This stuff is real. They told me I would have this disease for 20-some years and die. I'm 57 years old, and my feet cleared up. The doctor even told me, he says, you got baby skin on your feet. He says, you're just one of those people. And I said, yeah, I know. <laughs> I don't preach to doctors when they say, well, you know, this is this. And I go, I don't go, I rebuke that. I don't receive that. If I was a doctor, you did that to me, I would tell you go to another doctor. Because you're insulting his intelligence because you came to him. He didn't come to you. I always let them tell me what it's called, and then when I come back, I let them agree with me because what they say is what I already know. I don't say, you watch this, I'm going to be healed or not. I don't say anything like that. I let them come back and say, I don't know what's happening, but this is gone, and it will never be in your life again. One doctor said, It'll be you'll, be, you'll live to be 120 years old. And I said, thank you. So the next person that comes in, they say, you know, I had a patient that believed God in this same situation, so I know there's a healing in there. The Lord told me three things. One is your tongue controls your body. Your tongue controls your body. Number two, the only thing I heard was saying to, saying to. The third one was this, the spirit of him that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. When I did that, a lot of things began to happen in my body, in my life. Just one thing after another began to happen. People say, well, that's not medically possible. I'm not talking about regular doctors. I'm talking about the great physician today. I'm talking about a God that can look in your past, change your future, and do it right where you're at. Because yeah. he doesn't live in time. Yeah. Why? He can redeem the years. He can restore the years. It doesn't matter. We've got to quit thinking like... We, we think that God thinks like us. We need to start thinking like God. Amen. Amen. That's good. You say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm too old. Well, are you breathing? 
There was a lady 77 years old. Do you know what she did? She lived till she was 97. What did she do between 77 and 97? She wrote 400 books. When I was sitting here thinking about healing and about leaving this earth, I believe Jesus is coming. I'm going to be completely healthy. I'm not going to be broke. I'm going to have more than enough. It should be good that you have so much that people fight over what you have left. If you don't have nothing left, then they're going to talk about you dirty then. Listen, if they're going to talk about you either way, you might as well just, you know, I had one friend that said, Todd, if they run you out of town, get out in front and make it look like a parade. Listen, I'm going to be happy. Yes. If people come up and cuss me out, I say, well, I'm sorry you feel that way. Yeah. It doesn't matter what people say about you. It's only what God stands, says. Hallelujah. If God be for you, who can be against you? Right. He said he will cause all things to work together for good to them that love God and are the called according to his purpose. When you come to God today in his house and take care of his business, I guarantee you he's at your house taking care of your business. Yes, God's not in steeples. He's in people, folks. Genesis 1, verse 3, 6, 9, 11, 14, 20, 24, and 26. The first three words is, and God said. Did you know nothing came into existence until after God said it? There were six phases that everything has to go through to become material or raw material or whatever or substance, the Bible says in Hebrews 11, 1. We got wood, we got fabric, we got plastic, we got metal, we got leather. We got everything you wanted. But they said the earliest phase that they thought uh, until the 70s, I think it was, was quartz. It, it, it was called quarks, but they thought the smallest phase was neutrons and protons. That's where we had the, those different bombs and different things like that. But the earliest phase of those six now is quarks. They found out there's different colors of quarks. They found out all this. So I'm sitting on a plane from San Francisco to Denver one day, and I'm sitting next to a scientist, and I start talking about quarks. I said, what's the layman terms, the simple layman terms for the word quarks? And he goes up, and he goes, well, and he, I said, no, a very simple layman term. And I already knew what it was. I just wanted to verify. He said, it's sound waves. In other words, nothing came into existence until after God said it, and nothing will come into existence until after you say it. You know, this, this is plastic here. Let's pretend like it. Well, let's say this wooden bench over here. This wooden bench, what was it before a wooden bench? Tree, what was for a tree? A seed, what was for a seed? A tree. Tree seed, tree seed, tree seed, tree seed. Tree seed, tree seed. Come on. Tree seed, tree seed, tree seed, tree seed, tree seed. Keep going back. Tree seed, tree seed, tree seed. And God said. Nothing came into existence until after God said it. He said, let there be light, and there was light. Do you know light is still going on? They had this big discovery. Light, has, light is still expanding in the universe. I said, well, that's, of course. I said, well, how, how do you know? I said, well, God never changed his confession. He said, let there be light, and there was light. One, one, one of the things that I actually despise, and I let people say it, and I've had so many people tell me over the last couple of years, they have a phrase because they don't want to deal with it or explain or talk anymore. It's their code word. It is what it is. I said, boy, I'm glad God's not like us. He stood among the darkness in Genesis 1 and looked at the void and said, it is what it is. Now what did God say? God said what? Let there be light. Genesis 1.26 And God said let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And let them, that's you and I, rule over. 
Notice, what did it say in the third word? And God said. Then God said. Genesis 2, 7. And the Lord formed man out of the dust of the ground. Watch this. And breathed in his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a what? A living soul. That's translated living soul, speaking spirit. Hebrews eleven three. 3. It says... For by faith we understand that the worlds had been framed by the words of God so that what is seen has been made of things which, watch this now, things which, uh, made out of things which appear. In other words, what you see came from something that you don't see. Now watch this, I'll give you the scripture. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a more far exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but we look at the things which are, watch this now, which are seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. What's he talking about? John six sixty three. For it is the spirit that quickeneth the flesh. It is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are life and they are spirit. Everything you were see right now was spoken into existence by the word of God. That's why he prayed, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what he said over here in, uh, in Matthew 6, 9, and 10. He said, pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in in heaven. Heaven is more real than earth. Heaven and earth will pass away, but his words won't. That's why it's so important that we focus on words. Why? Because your voice is your address in the spirit. It's your words that are the only thing that will touch the spiritual and the natural realm at the same time. So when you pray, you're affecting two realms at one time. You're having what you say. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. The Bible says, let the weak say they're strong. Abraham called those things which be not as if they were. John 1, 1, in the beginning, the word uh, was made flesh and dwelt among us. Notice Jesus said, I only do what I hear, see the Father do, and I only say what I hear the Father says. Your words... Your tongue controls your body. Your words frame your world just like God's world framed the world's. We've got to understand that our words are powerful. In the midst of the storm, he said, peace, be still. God sent his word and healed him. The centurion in Matthew 8, 8 said, only speak, speak the word only. You didn't have to come. Daniel prayed for 21 days and the angel said, quote, we were sent for your words. On the day of Pentecost, they all got in one mind and one accord, but they all began to speak with other tongues. But the Tower of Babel, what did it say? Genesis eleven six. 6, Behold, the people are one, and they all have one language, and this they begin to do, and nothing will be restrained from them, which they have imagined to do. Why? Because they all had language, one language, and they all spoke the same thing. They got to the power, and he said, if we don't confound their languages, nothing will be withheld from them. That's why it's so important for the church to come together, be in one mind and one accord. You know what? You come in here, and why is it important for you to come and hear the Word of God on a Sunday morning as a group? Well, because this is your company of faith. When you hear the same word at the same time, it's not misinterpreted. It gets in all people's minds at one time. It drops in their hearts at one time. You have the same vision. You go to one direction at the same time. Are you hear what I'm saying? I, I, I can say a dog, and everybody right now has got a dog in their mind. 
But when I use words to describe that dog, you're thinking about a big black Labrador retriever. Now, everybody's thinking about a big black Labrador retriever because I said something. I can say a white little poodle. Everybody's like, oh, I remember that little white poodle. Now, everybody's like, I don't like a white poodle. I want a big black Labrador retriever so he can eat the white little white poodle. Amen? Now, you're thinking of somebody's dog that actually ate a poodle now. Amen? But if I say a big black Labrador retriever with a red bone around his neck with his tail wagging, his tongue sticking out, running straight towards you. Every word added a new dimension to that picture inside of you. Why? Because it's in your imagination. Nothing was withheld from what they could imagine. Listen, they did a study. They said 10% of what you say happens, but when you put your imagination with your words and you begin to see what you say, 50%. 55% happens. But when you get emotional with it, when you begin to feel it, when you, well, I'm not moved by what I feel, then you're dead. You're moved by what you feel good or bad. Amen? Why do you think David said he encouraged himself in the Lord? Come on, you think you're having a bad day? Read about Paul's life, being shipwrecked, beaten, left for dead threatened to stone him and all this, stood up and said, the Lord stood by my side, the angel of the Lord stood by my side this day and said, not one, not one soul will be lost, but the ship itself is doomed. And another eight or nine or 12 days, I forget what it was, then when he landed, they're like, oh, oh, we, we didn't die. Paul goes over and gathers firewood around because he's soaking wet and a viper jumps out and die, bites him and the native villagers come out and say, oh, you must be cursed because this thing killed you and he just shook it off. You see, you don't have to agree with what everybody's saying about you. All of a sudden, he didn't die. He went from being cursed to a God. He turned around, took what was meant for evil, and turned it for good, preached to the whole village, and they all got born again. Whatever it takes, folks, but whatever you do, guard your mouth. Come on. David was in Ziglag, left, came. Ziglag was burnt to the ground. All the children and women were taken captive. Come on, 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6. All the men threatened to stone David. They wept until they could weep no more. That's a bad day. It is. <laughs> Ziglag's burnt to the ground. Children and women are taken captive. The men and David wept until they could weep no more. Then the men got mad and turned and threatened to stone David. And David just sat there and what did he do? Everybody has the word courage in your life, but it's up to you what words you're going to put to add to it or take away from it. You can become discouraged or you can become encouraged. David encouraged himself in the Lord. But today, everybody's saying, you've got to take care of yourself. You deserve a break today. Oh, look in the image. Who do you see? Who do you want to become? I'm not against that. But if God's out of the equation, you're in idolatry. You're in 2 Timothy chapter 3. You want me to tell you why? Because it says in the end times, people will become lovers of themselves. That's why we got all these people taking selfies. Now we got filters. We put it on. Come on, folks. Everything you see on Facebook, if you see people putting stuff on Facebook about themselves all the time, that tells me that they're miserable and they need Jesus. Because they're trying to get approval from man by taking a picture of who they are or not. I'm on one today, ain't I? You can tell, amen? Come on. 
I was in Oral Roberts' living room sitting there listening to him talk. And that one pastor said, Dr. Roberts, you're in your 80s. You're sitting there and you, you, you've had tragedy. You've lost your, hu- uh, your husband. You lost your wife. You lost one of your kids tragically in an accident. You've had the IRS come in and just basically do this. And you had your name smeared and mocked and all this. And one thing after another and disgraced and all this. And all you said is, God's got something good for you. To, something good's going to happen to you today. And people thought you were a heretic. I forget all the things they said. They said, what's your secret? He just sat there, kind of raised his head up a little bit, and he said, the dogs bark, but the train keeps moving. (laughs) How many has some dogs in your life? Let them keep barking. Jeremiah chapter uh, chapter 2, verse 1. I mean, Joshua chapter 2, verse 1. Can you put that on the board, if you don't mind? Joshua chapter 2, verse 1. Y'all give me a few minutes today. Y'all don't want to eat leftovers, do you? No. Okay, good. I want to show you something. You remember Jairus when he came up and he said, don't trouble the master anymore, your daughter's dead. But what happened right before that? Jairus said what? Now, I'm getting ahead of myself, so I'll get this in a minute. It's like putting something on the stove. It's not hot enough, but I'm going to come over here and empty this out. It's, it's ready. Come on. I cook a lot. I like to cook. I like to iron. Iron... This is bizarre. Irony relaxes me. I had a lady in a church a while back said, could you come to my house and I'll let you relax all day long. Because I have a lot of clothes. I do. I iron stuff this morning. I just sit there and I just say, thank you, Lord. Oh, Lord. It must be a prophecy or something. He's not coming back for a church without spot, wrinkle. But Jairus went up and said, Master, if you will come, my daughter shall be made whole. Now, did he speak his faith to the resurrection? Yes. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Yes. Yeah, he did. Halfway there, a servant came to him and said, don't trouble the answer anymore. He said, why? He said, your daughter's dead. Now, how many knows faith cometh by how? Hearing. hearing. Now, it, and hearing by the word of, God. word of God. How many knows fear comes by how, what? Hearing. hearing, but not by hearing the word of God. Mark 4, 24 and 25 says, Take heed to what you hear. Not read. Or what you think. It says, Take heed to what you hear. Why? Words spoken have power of adding to you or words of taking away from you. Encourage, discourage. I beg you. I beg you. Even if you see it in public and you think it's none of your business, if you see somebody talking down to a child and disgracing them right in public, I've done it, man. I thought I was going to, I said, listen, don't, listen, I know that's your child. That's uncalled for. Oh, man, you just talking. People say, well, you shouldn't do that. It's not no, no, no. That child is defenseless. If that, they had a knife and they was cutting their arm, you would stop them that way. But what they're doing is taking their tongue and cutting their heart. I said, you talk, I said, I talk to my dog better than you talk to your child. And the reason they're acting the way they are is you're not doing, is it's how you're treating them at the house. Whew. I got a five-fold outreach ministry, amen? Come on. Yeah, you think you're somebody bullying a five-year-old. Come on, let's, let's, let's see how tough you are right now. I, I, sometimes, I know I cross the line sometimes, but I don't put up with certain stuff. Because words, you can either become a demolition expert or you become an architect to children. You can stop and think about what you're going to say and say, Father, give me the right words to say 
And if you've made mistakes, I've gotten on my knees in front of my son. He's taller now, but when he was younger, I said, Dad was wrong. I beat tears coming down my eyes. I said, I was wrong. And I, I don't want to say that again. I didn't cuss or anything like that. I just said something. I could tell it took something out of him. Take heed to what you hear, for who has will be given. Who has not will be taken, even that which he seemeth to have. If somebody's standing for a miracle or somebody's standing for their healing, don't go over and say, oh, nobody's never got healed from that. You know what? Just shut up. You hear what I'm saying? If you can't speak something good, then don't say nothing at all. Because you know what? You're just showing your ignorance. People come up and me, well, I just don't believe in tithing. You know, I'm not under the old covenant. I said, you're just talking too much. You're just showing your stupidity. They go, well, you called me stupid. I said, no, you called God dumb. I said, tithing's not even under the old covenant. It's way before the old covenant. Read your Bible before you open your mouth. Well, I thought, well, that's the first problem. If you I said, if you used the other half of your brain, you wouldn't show everybody your stupidity by opening your mouth. So you're like one of those trash cans they push down. The lid just pops up. I've changed. Have you all noticed that? I don't put up with stupidity. I don't believe Jesus was, I don't believe Jesus asked Peter to come out because he had faith. I believe Peter just aggravated him. He said, well, then come out here. He did and went right to the bottom. Jesus had to reach down and grab him. He told him what when he left the shore? What did he tell the disciples? He says, go into the boat and go to the other side. Peter gets out in the middle of the storm and goes, can I come out there? He said, he's like, you ever had somebody just say, no, stay in the boat. I really want to come out there. Stay in the boat. I want to come out there, Jesus. Just bid me to come. He said, well, come out. He got down. I think, I honestly wonder if he wasn't as close to Jesus as he was. He just let him keep going down. I can swim. Well, then just jump out there. You got to let them stay under for about three seconds. They'll never forget it. They'll come out, you lift them up, and they go. <laughs> More swimming lessons for you. Come on, are you hearing what I'm saying? So before you criticize the pastor or somebody's testimony, you, you need to think about what they've went through. Amen? It's easy to say, well, you only preach two hours a week, Pastor. Why do you do the rest of the week? <laughs> I dare you to ride with him for a whole week. You'll be going, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. 60,000 miles just traveling, visiting people a year. Going to the hospital. Visiting people that don't have rent. Now, I'm on one today. Maybe I'm preaching a different sermon. Visiting people that no one else is going to get out of bed for. Well, that's what he gets paid for. Well, then you're underpaying him. Well, that's what he's called to do. Well, what are you called to do? These signs don't follow them that preach. They follow them that believe. People go, well, uh, 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 yeah. I said, yeah, you swallowed a fly or you just opened your mouth again. <laughs> are you all hearing what I'm saying? I've had people criticize me all day long. Well, you only travel like two days a week and you do this and then you do this. 
I had one guy, I said, I said you want to go? He said, can I go with you? I said, yeah, I'll pay all your expenses. I said, just get, get out here. 17 days later, he goes, I'm going to pray about this more. <laughs> we have a saying. Some were called, some were sent, some bought a microphone and went. All right, I'm going to have to close this up before. Now, Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out two men from whatever they were and spied secretly. He said, go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and they came to a house of a what? A harlot named Rahab and lodged there. You know, I don't know if you read the Bible different than me, but when you send two spies out to go conquer a city, you don't send them. If they show up the first day at a, a prostitute's home, okay, I, I can understand you're trying to find a place to, you know, but you, oh, I'm sorry, ma'am. I just, but they lodged there. Do y'all read that different than I? No. But what happened was Rahab stood down and said what? Look at verse 9. I'm going to show you the power of words here. And I'm going to give me a couple extra minutes. Look at verse 9. And, the, and, and she said unto the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that your terrors fallen upon us, that the inhabitants of the land faint because, watch this, faint-hearted because of you. Oh, this is New King James. Just throw me off. I have a lot of this memorized. Verse 10. For we have what? Heard. Do you hear, hear things through thoughts? Do you hear things through reading? Unless you what? Read it out loud. How the Lord had dried up the waters of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the kings of the Amorites which were on the other side of Jordan, whatever the name names are, whom you utterly destroyed. Look at verse 11. As soon as we had what? Heard, heard these things, our hearts melted. Did there remain any more? Courage at any one because of you, for the Lord your God, He is heaven above and the earth beneath. She said, I'm going to make you a deal. I want none of my family to be destroyed. He says, If they're all in this room and you put this out your window, we will preserve you. Do you know the whole city was destroyed except her place? Who's that? Oh, that's the prostitute room that we stayed in when we got first got here. Her name's Rahab, right? Rahab, right. Don't judge people. Look at, look at chapter 5, verse 1. I'm almost done here. These other two will go real quick. i kind of been doing this the last few months. I've been, I'll start on a sermon, and I'll preach a mini-sermon in the sermon. Look, uh, okay, look at this. So it is written, all the kings of the Amorites, which were on the side westward of Jordan, and all the kings. Now notice it says all the kings. These are not low-ranking people. These are not people that just kind of showed up with a bunch of mules or lack of education, or whatever, or whatever that is. I'm not against mules. I grew up with them. Amen? It says, all the kings of the Amorites, all the kings of the Canaanites, who were by the sea, heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan before the children of Israel until they crossed over, that their hearts melted. There was no spirit in them any longer because of the children of Israel. Folks, you're going to start hearing things on the news. People said, man, I'm just so upset about what's happening to the earth. I got one sentence. This will save you a lot of heartache. Turn your TV off and don't watch the news. That's two. If you turn your TV on, watch something that's at Just don't watch the news. I quit watching even Fox anymore. And when I did after two months, man, I felt so much better. Now, you can do what you want. I just listen to people that show prophecy, people that show this. And you know what? They're more accurate and informative than what you're hearing on the news. 
I said, did you hear this? No, I've not heard it. I've been watching the news every day. I said, it's right here. And they go, I've never seen that before. I found out there's six corporations controlling 90% of the news. Six or seven. Let's go to number two real quick. I'm almost done. I know it's 12. Saying to. He said, whoever saying to. What's that mean? I got this, when I got this, Mark eleven twenty three. 23, I came across this. For verily I say unto you, that whoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Right. Real quick, give me about two minutes, and I'll finish the last one, we'll be done. Unless you want to eat leftovers. There's four. Everybody says there's three, but there's, there's four saith. Everybody says there's three times, but there's four in this passage. The first one is Jesus. The other three is us. For, I, for verily I say, this is Jesus, that word in the Greek is Lego, L-E-G-O. You ever heard of Lego building blocks? Yeah. It's the same thing in here. This word Lego in the Greek is a systematic set discourse of building blocks. So when you say something, you're setting something in a systematic set discourse. Your tongue controls your body. They've proven when you keep saying I'm sick all day, your body begins to prepare for sickness. They've proven that. Now watch this. That whoever shall say, this is the, this is the first, the second one, but the first of the three for us. That one is epo, E-P-O, means command. Whoever commands this mountain. Now why do we need to speak to mountains in our lives? Because mountains, even naturally, were created by words. I'll, I'll give you a nugget. Why did God speak the word? Why did God speak the word first? So it could be written. Why was the word written that God spoke? So it could be spoken. The word was spoken so it could be written. It was written so it could be spoken. So if you don't speak what was spoke, written, then you're not going to have what he said. Now watch this. Shall not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things which he saith. This is the Greek, L-A-L-E-O, which means speak out. Shall come to pass or be on a journey or on the way. So when you begin to speak something out, guess what happens? You're commanding it, but you're also causing something to go in motion and be on a journey. He shall have whatever he saith. The last one is the same one that Jesus said, Lego, a systematic set discourse. So let's say it again. For I speak or I say in order to set a systematic set discourse of building blocks to be arranged. That whoever shall command this mountain and shall cast it into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart but believe that those things which he speaks out, they will come to pass, they will be on a journey or on the way, either coming towards you or away from you. He shall have whatever he put in a systematic set discourse of building blocks. That's what the Lord showed me. He said, when you begin to speak stuff, you begin, so that I started speaking to my body. I started speaking to my eyes. I started speaking to my liver. I still remember it to this day. I lifted up my arm. I said, liver, I don't know where you're at, but I command you to be healed now and function in the perfection to which God created you. I command every organ and every tissue in my body to function in the perfection to which you created it. Father, I thank you. If you die to this sickness and disease, I don't have to live with it. Because if you died to it and paid it in full, then I should live in the fullness of what you paid for. You went to hell. I don't have to go there, thank God. I might go through hell, but I'm not going to hell. Amen? 
So I started speaking to my body, and I'll go to the doctors and let them confirm what I already know. My feet are cleared up. This stuff is real. I have no sickness. I take no medication. People, I, I said that the other day. They went in for. They said, "What medications are you on?" I said, "None." She said, "Excuse me." I said, "I am on the medication called none, and I take it daily." Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Well, I have to have it. Well, you, you can have it. People say, "Well, do you think I need surgery?" I said, "Absolutely." They said, "You think I should? You think I should go get glasses?" I said, "Yeah, sure." See, if you already knew what you needed, you wouldn't have had to ask me. But you just told me where you're at. You know you need surgery because you asked my opinion. If you knew you didn't need surgery, you didn't have to ask my opinion. People say, well, I'm going to take my glasses off and stomp on them and show God I have faith that my eyes are healed. I said, I'm not giving you a ride home. <laughs> if you believe you're healed, you don't have to crush your glasses. You can just donate them. But don't go out and drive because you could kill somebody. If your eyes are healed and it's a progressive healing, then your vision on your prescription lenses will become blurry because your eyes are getting better. Right. It may take three months and three pairs of glasses, but guess what? All of a sudden, you, the doctor says, why are you even in here? You got 20-20. That's all I needed to know. Now I know I don't have to come back. Right. Right. Amen? Amen. I, it, it's funny. Doctors are now asking patients to say something. They've They've had a report on this. They want them to read or say something positive before they put them under because the Bible says your tongue controls your body. 1 Samuel 17. Are you all okay? 1 Samuel 17. I'll give you the whole chapter wrapped up in this nutshell. Goliath said, David said, Goliath said, David said, David ran towards the Philistine, David prevailed over the Philistine. That's the whole chapter. What about Mark 4? You remember when Satan and Jesus was in the wilderness? You want me to give you the whole chapter? Satan said, Jesus said, Satan said, Jesus said, Satan said, Jesus said, and the devil departed. That's the whole chapter. And it dawned on me one day, if you ever get in a war of words with a giant or with the devil, make sure you get the last word in. The devil comes up to me sometimes, and I use his own. You know, it's embarrassing when somebody throws a rock at you, and you pick up that same rock and throw it back at him right in the forehead. They're thinking, my God, that's the rock I threw at them, and they hit me. Ah! That's what I do with the devil. He goes, I'm going to kill you, and I go, I doubt it. <laughs> I use doubt and unbelief against him when he says he's going to do something to me. I don't believe it. I doubt it. Well, you're never going to make it. I doubt that, too. Why am I preaching what you already know? Because faith doesn't come by having heard. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I'll give you the last one and I'll finish up. Somebody said, oh, thank God I'm getting hungry. Romans, could you put up Romans 8.11, please? I know I kind of, I preach one of those shotgun sermons. Romans 8.11. I was sitting there watching. Has anybody heard of Wayne Fontaine? He's a pastor in Canada, a very remote area. Talks real soft. Hey, folks. He's on TV. He goes, just want to let you know that uh, we got a tremendous testimony. And the more he talked, the more I kept going, okay, come on. But he just talked that way the whole time. He said, we went in, and this person was about ready to die, and we prayed two or three scriptures over him. And I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, 
And I'm like, come on, buddy, get into it. He said they rose up, and they went home completely healed the next day. Thank God. I was sitting there working on my deck from a storm about five years ago. I had come in. I was tired. I had a sandwich and some stuff, and I was about ready to eat in front of the TV, and he was on. He said, hey, praise the Lord. Thanks for being with us today. And I thought, hey, Wayne Fontaine, or whatever he's name is. I heard the Holy Ghost say this. This man's about ready to say something you need to hear. I put my sandwich down. I crossed my arms. And he said this. He said, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. And I'm telling you, a revelation hit me. I'll I'll, I'll give it to you. I gave it to them. And I know I went over a little bit. Listen to this. How many of you here, I just want you to raise your hand and keep it up. You say, well, what if I don't raise my hand? Well, that means you're just probably, you know. You know, I don't argue about people now, about going to heaven or hell or whatever. You know, if we have a family reunion, say, well, you know, I'm kind of living with somebody right now. I said, oh, it's fine. I just want you to come and play horseshoes with me. They say, it doesn't bother you? Oh, no, you're already going to hell. So I'm not concerned with it. Let's just play horseshoes. I mean, you're really good, and we all, I mean, if you're on my team, I know we're going to win. You mean it doesn't bother you? Oh, no, I mean, that's your choice. If you want to go to hell, it's fine. I mean, I'm, I'm here to play horseshoes. Come on. So you're not going to condemn me? No, I'm not going to condemn you. You have the choice to do whatever you want. I choose God. I want to go to heaven, but if you want to do that, that's against the word of God, and you're going to go to hell. I'm not judging them. I'm just telling what the word says. It convicts them. I don't convict them. It's funny how people get saved. Amen? Over horseshoes. People come and say, well, I don't believe in healing. I say, well, fine, stay sick. I just choose the option. Even if, even, if he, even if healing isn't good. Think about it. If healing isn't for today, wouldn't you still want to just believe that you'll feel better? When you lay in a hospital room long enough and you count the tiles going this way and you count the tiles this way and you can tell what crease the flow of the curtains are and how many rings is holding it and you can literally tell you what is on stamped on the back of a toilet bowl. No, I'm serious. People say, well, I don't, I don't believe in that healing. I said, you ain't been sick long enough. When you're in a hospital room for 20-some days, and you're sitting there, and the floor that's so cold actually feels better on those rough places that you've been sitting in the bed for so long. Where are you at? I'm in here in the bathroom sitting down. Why? Because the sheets are too rough on me right now. Are you sick? No. I just want to, I just want to sit in the darkness and cool off for a little bit. You'll start believing something. Are you all hearing what I'm saying? Don't get to the place to where you're dying to believe God. Believe God now. Why? Because God wants to use you to reach people. In the Vietnam War, they would not kill the Americans. Did you know that? They wouldn't go out and just try to kill five of them right off the bat out of 15. They would literally, this is what I've been told, they tried to wound them. Because now, if they wound them just right, it would take out of the 15, five, well, there was 20. Out of a group of 20, they said if they could wound five really bad, it would take one to two for each wounded person of the other group to take care of them. Now they're only fighting against five out of 20 instead of killing five and fighting out of 15. 
So the devil's trying to wound you enough to where other people are taking care of you to where now you've got three or four people that's inactive for the end time harvest and doing the work of the ministry in the church. Are you all seeing the strategy? Now, I know this is a totally different sermon, folks, but this is what I felt like I was supposed to preach. We've got to shake ourselves. You want me to tell you why? Tomorrow's Monday. And the day after is Tuesday. How many is born again in here? Just raise your hand over here. Raise your hand. Raise it up. Is your arms broke? Are, are you born again? Okay. Uh, yeah, praise the Lord. I'm, I didn't know. I just, praise the Lord. If this is the price was right and I called your name, you raise it. Amen. Okay, raise it again. I believe everybody raised their hand over here. Right. What about right here? What about in the middle? Everybody born again? Everybody born again? What about over here? Everybody over here born again? Everybody's like, this group is really good. You should watch them. <laughs> when I said price is right, they all just went like this. Everybody back in the sound booth okay? All right. You're telling me 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20 applies to you, but you may not know it. If you're born again, it says, what, know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of God dwells in you? You've been bought with a price. You don't even belong to yourself. That tells me that you have been chosen by God when you get born again, that His Spirit can live inside of you. And that Spirit is the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. I was in Denver the other day, and I was talking about this. And I asked somebody, I said, has anybody seen something that nobody else has probably ever seen in person? A guy raised his hand. He said, I've seen the Mona Lisa in person right in front of me. I said, the actual one? He goes, yeah, it's not as big as everybody thinks it is. He said, they make it big, but it's not really that big. I said, wait a minute. You mean the same spirit? I mean, it's the same, the, same, the same picture? It's not a duplicate? He goes, no, I was over there where it was stored in Europe or whatever. I said, well, I understand what you're saying. I said, I just want to make sure that you're, you're, we're clear on the same page here. I said, is this the very canvas that the artist put his paintbrush on and stroked that smile? He said, yeah, it's the same one. It's not a replica. It's not a duplication. It's not a rendition of what the act. He said, no, it's the same one. I said, so therefore, you were sitting right in front of the actual Mona Lisa that the artist that painted it was looking at at the same distance. He, they, he said, yes, it's the same one. And I said, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you your brain has not gotten wrapped around it yet the same spirit Acts 2 the same spirit the same spirit God I just feel all alone I feel like nobody loves me anymore I don't know why what I've done he said I'll never leave you or forsake you that word forsake means emotionally and mentally. Uh, wait a minute. I'll never leave you. Leave you means emotionally and, phys, uh, emotionally and mentally. And forsake, I believe, is physically. He's got you covered inside and out. People go, I'll pray that God will go with you when you go. I think it was northeast India that, that time or somewhere. I said, I don't leave home without him. Now, I know I'm taking a little bit of time, but I want you to listen to me. The same spirit. The same spirit. If that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he said he will quicken your mortal body. Are you on a mortal body? 
If you're not here this morning, raise your hand. <laughs> Absent with the body is being present with the what? The Lord. He will quicken your mortal body. So follow this. The same spirit that raised Christ, he didn't raise him from the grave. He raised him from the depths of hell where he came back with the keys of death, hell, and the grave. The same spirit must have had a power we happen to call at that incidence a resurrection power. But what if it was something that was incurable? Then it would be a healing power. What if it was something called bankruptcy and you have no hope? And I know a friend of mine had a big $3 million church. He was sitting in there and he was trying to liquidate his stuff. And he looked right at the lawyer and said, well, why can't we do something to say this? All of a sudden, it was like God showed up through the Holy Spirit called a prosperity power. A resurrection almost resuscitated now he's got this big church running six five six seven hundred people i was up there march 17th if you don't speak you lose by default i'm not trying to get on people but i'm saying this if you don't do something different today tomorrow's monday well but i live in chester oklahoma I live in Seedling, Oklahoma. Well, big flip. You want to just trade baseball cards right now? I grew up in Flatwoods, Kentucky. I'm just glad they changed the name from Advance and Cheap. He used to be called Cheap Kentucky, named after a blind Methodist minister. So, I don't care what your geographical location is. I was in Wyoming and passed a place and almost stopped and walked over to it. But I thought if I fall, fell in it, nobody would find me. It said, half, it said, hell's half acre. That was the name of the place. I'm going to get out here and measure this and see if it's a half acre, amen? <laughs> Don't tell me what you can't do when you need to tell me what God can do. You have somebody in you that the devil already knows that has already marched straight down through the streets of hell and made a show of him openly and he knows the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. Well, I just don't know if I can do this. Man, the spirit of slap wants to come on me sometimes. <laughs> Spit on somebody so bad it looked like a bullfrog in a hellstorm, amen? I'm on one today. Listen, I'm telling you, folks, you don't know how close we are to the rapture. You don't know how close there. There's a guy named Larry in Hampton. Come on, he could put me in any hotel he wanted to. Put me in the Hampton Inn, and the lady could have not just showed up at that moment where I turned over and said, hey, I'm going to put my key down. Walked out, when I seen him walk out, I said, hey, have a good day, blah, blah. He said, hey, you too, where are you from in Texas? I started talking to him. Larry's probably already saved by the time he got home. Because sometimes I pray, God, don't let them sleep, make them life miserable until they accept you as Lord and Savior. Amen? I wish I had that guy's phone number so I could tell him, quit caught praying. I'll wrap this up. The same spirit. You want me to tell you something that's really funny? People want the preacher to get out at a certain time so they can go eat, go home, and do nothing. And they call somebody and say, what are you doing? Nothing. What are you doing? Nothing. You want to go somewhere? I don't know. I'm pretty tired. I think I'm going to stay here. I got some things I got to take care of. Am I telling the truth? They, they, they rush out of a service to go eat so they can go home and talk about their problems instead of applying the answer, and they want the preacher to shut up early so they can go home and talk to somebody about their problems. And then they say, you know, I just don't get fed at that church anymore. I think I'm just going to go around and look around. 
I'm telling you, I, I've changed. Something's happened to me. People come up and go, well, you know, praise and worship wasn't that good today. Well, that's okay. We weren't worshiping you. <laughs> well, I just, I, I, I said, you know what? You just. Listen, we know you're not smart, but don't open your mouth and show everybody. Amen? I need to shut up here. I don't mean to preach so long, but sometimes we just get all the unbelievers out and doubters and hypocrites. Then all of a sudden, God moves. It happened in Los Angeles when I was preaching. We just went on and on and on. And a guy came up. He, he was uh, Virgil, 27 years old, had two little kids. He had a stroke on his right side. He'd show up every day. He would sit there and just play the, 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 the drums with his arm drawn back like this. Dragged his foot, came up, said, I want to be healed. I said, all right, let's pray. We prayed, and we sang a while and all this. He went over and laid on the floor, and I almost went over and tried to pick him up because I thought, and the Lord said, I was never moved by sympathy. I was moved by compassion. Sympathy says, I wish something could be done. Compassion says, my God's more than enough. He said, there, move that leg up and down, up and down, raise that arm up and down. And my cousin was back there. She went, and I, and I, I watched him. He got up. God is my witness. Almost the whole place had emptied out, three-quarters of the people. We just stayed there and let that guy worship the Lord and move and do this and go back and forth. And I watched it with my own eyes. Virgil got up there and went up there, and that leg popped straight out. <laughs> that arm popped straight out. And Virgil started running around the church. And you know what I did? I sat there and cried like a baby and saying, there's nobody on planet Earth that can do what just happened except you, God. You're talking about humility is when God shows up. We're not even doing the book of Acts, folks. They only had the former reign. We're going to have the former and the latter. We're we're not even doing what they're doing. We're supposed to have the double portion. But we're too busy. I'm not against it. I think it's great because I can text somebody and say, hey, Hey, yeah, I'm just yesterday we're lining up meetings right now in Kenya and maybe hopefully to do an open air crusade in Mozambique. We we use that. You're only going to find your identity in Christ, not your profile picture on Facebook and how many likes you get. I'm on one today. Is this okay? I'm, listen, if this is not applying to you, just look straight ahead and smile. Nobody, you know. Just have fun. Listen, I don't care if you're 88 or you're 18. you got to be about the Father's business. If that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, that tells me that spirit has a power. And that resurrection power, that power, whatever it is in your life, he will quicken your mortal body. Romans 4.17 says, God quickeneth the dead and call those things which be not as if they are. That word dead in the Greek means a dead code corpse. So if your relationship, your marriage, your finances, your health, whatever it is, if it's dead, it's zero, you're writing it off, you're just waiting and abiding your time until something happens, God says, you can do what I did and call those things which be not as if they are. He said, well, what about the other person? You can't control people, but you can control you. Come on. 
My dad lost both legs. 50-some years old. You know what he said? I'm going to make my business bigger, and I'm going to make more money than I've ever made, and I'm going to go forward. Lost both legs. 16 days later, showed up on the job. Walked the first time he had artificial legs. 12, 11 years old, sitting in the car, and I looked at him one day. I said, Dad, my feet are hurting. I'll never forget it. He looked at me. He said, Son, always remember when your feet hurt, it's a good thing. See, you don't know what you've got until you lose it. But you better be appreciative of what you have with who you are. People say, well, I'm not happy in my marriage. I'm not happy here. And people say, well, the grass is greener on the other side. I said, well, you better dig down about three feet on that grass. They say, why? I said, it might be a septic tank under there. <laughs> you give me an excuse, I'll give you the word. I'll give you a promise for every excuse you have why you can do it instead of what you can't. I know I went long, but let me just say this. You have the Spirit of God living in you. He has a power. That power is strong enough to take something dead and make it alive spiritually. You were dead in your trespasses and sins, but he quickened and made you alive. If it can take something spiritually dead and make it spiritually alive, surely it can take something physically sick and make it physically well. It can take something mentally broken and make it of a soundness of mind. You have as much as God as you want. When I come down to Chester, Oklahoma, it's been here for years. But the moment I turn around and go back to Woodward, it does not come nigh to me no more. But the moment I turn around and face Chester, Chester draws nigh to me as I draw nigh to it. Jesus is so big, he used words to describe himself in the realm that we live in. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. Well, what's your name? I am. And I will be what I will be, and I will become what I want to be. Because I am. So when you come to God, you've got to believe that he is are y'all hear what I'm saying quit looking at who you see in the mirror start looking at who is inside of you and if that power that's inside of you that the devil's scared of can kill your body quicken your mind do all this thing that word quicken means to make alive with new life to rejuvenate and, and, and to wait, rejuvenate to revitalize and to make alive with new life are y'all hear what I'm saying I'm meeting people in their 80s that look like they're 50. There's one guy that was reading a, the small print on a subway. You ever seen those subway schedules? They're real small. The print's like this. He just sat there from a distance and was reading it. They said, what? Can you read that? He goes, oh, yeah. He said, how old are you? They said, I forget, 70-some years old. He said, how in the world are you doing that? He said, for years, I always said, I will never lose my sight. I will never, never have bad eyesight. I will always be able to read. You have what you say. All right, I went, a bit, I went way long. Pastor, I'm sorry. Well, listen, I love you. I appreciate you. I didn't mean to go this long, but let me tell you something. Jesus is coming back. Tomorrow's Monday. We've got to change some things. Yes. Amen? Yes. We already gave the altar call, so we're done. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Would you stand? Todd has told us the truth. And... Uh, I believe that we're living in a time when God's counting on the church to reach out like we've never been able to reach out before. So we're going to bring the service to a close this morning, but uh, I'm not going to leave the front of the building. I was quickened as Todd was finishing the message today. If there's just one here that needs prayer of any for anything in your life, there's one here maybe that you're you're going through something that 
you just don't have the answer for today, please don't leave without coming forward and allowing us to pray for you. And uh, I just feel like as David plays this, this course today, I'm going to pray the benediction, but please don't leave this building this morning. If you have any need of any kind, please allow the Lord through prayer to meet you in this service this morning. Please don't leave. I just, I believe God is speaking to the heart of this church this morning. It's time for a change. It's time for the pastor's heart to change. It's time, it's time to realize the clock is running out. It's time that we put an end to what the enemy's trying to do to good people in the church. So here's our benediction today. Lord, I thank you that Todd's here not by accident nor by coincidence. He's here through divine order. I feel the Holy Spirit has spoken today in ways that maybe we've never heard before. But as you speak, Lord, there's something going on inside of us. Are we going to accept what challenge has been laid before us? Are we going to look forward to Monday? I pray, Lord, as this service comes to a close, we will not leave this place empty-handed, nor will we leave with regrets. But if there's anyone here this morning that needs a special change in their life, a special touch in their life, a healing for their body or maybe for their spirit, Lord, I'm believing they will not turn to the back door, but they'll come forward to the altar area and allow your spirit to meet their spirit and changes can be taking place before they leave here because the same spirit that raised you from the dead dwells in us. We give you praise, honor, and glory for this day. In Jesus' name we pray, and all of God's family said, amen. God